That, that was going to be a great track. Guys, what's the deal? Uh, are, are you sure that was sounding okay? I'll be honest, fellas, it was sounding great, but I could have used a little more cowbell. And we're back in live. I'm Jimmy Krupka. This is Ski Racing This Week. decided to switch things up a bit, you may have noticed. That little ditty by the Blue Oyster Cult was inspired by a message that I got from Max Lamb, who wrote, quote-unquote, more cowbell, please. Well, I think it's very fitting, especially because cowbells and ski racing are inextricably linked. Max also asked for more history as well. I agree. I think that would be fun. If you missed my last episode, there's a whole segment devoted to the entire history of American Psalm Scheme. The, the legacy, that is. I hope you're all safe and keeping others safe by washing your hands, staying home, and listening to this podcast. If you have been following the news lately, you may have come across this story that some people believe that chloroquine can have some sort of helpful effect against the coronavirus. Well, I don't know what the science is behind that, but I can tell you it's a scientific fact that listening to this podcast is good for you and has no proven negative effects. I also heard that telling other people to subscribe is even more helpful. So just keep that in mind. But seriously, I'm trying to reach more people. And you guys, my faithful listeners, are the my only outlet for that. You can reach more people. Oh, I've got a fun fact for you before we get started. This was the first year, first World Cup season since 1987, that's 33 years, that a nation other than Austria has won the Nations Cup, which is determined by the highest cumulative World Cup points for each nation. This year it was Switzerland with Beat Foyts, Moro Kavietzel, Corinne Suter, and Danny Yule leading the charge. We've got a great show for you today. Cindy Burlack, Masters Champion and co-founder of Brass Foundation, calls in to talk all of the above. UNH ski racers Logan Slattery and Jordan Phillips give a perspective on how injured athletes are faring during stay-at-home orders. We finally take a caller from Boston who is determined to comment on the GOAT debate and Helmut Ver gives us a home workout. We also have several World Cup athletes retiring from competition this season, and we will go through that list at the end of the show. Now, without further ado, Cindy Burlack. Cindy Burlack, thanks for being on the show. You're welcome. Good to be here. So how are things in quarantine? Where are you based right now? I'm based in Franconia, New Hampshire, which is pretty quiet anyway (laughs) Uh so um you know it's really great to have the mountains right next door you know in front of us and our yard is we've got a large yard and i'm I'm actually sugaring some maples i have seven buckets out and i've been getting about three or four gallons every couple days oh so it's running so it boils down to about a cup each every few days which isn't much but it's a heck of a lot of fun to you know, scrub around the woods and get all the wood that needs to be burned and and um, and be outside. Yeah, that sounds like a great way to pass the time. Yeah. Make some good pancakes. 
Um, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So I know you are a very accomplished racer yourself. Um, I Tell me if I'm correct. You Are you a national champion in masters racing? Yes. Well, I've been to, over the years, I've been to the um, national championships probably five times. Uh-huh. And every time I've come in first or second, except for once when I was in Sun Valley and I, I fell in the Super G, so I didn't, I didn't uh, accomplish the overall, but I won the slalom. And um, I've been Masters racing since the early 80s when oh, I was wow. still single and moved back to New Hampshire after being in California 10 years after college. And um, it was a wonderful social way of getting together with a lot of longtime friends, people who had, I knew through ski racing over the years. Mm-hmm. In my younger years, I was an Eastern racer. Um, my family was not a ski racing family, but I really um, you know, just was attracted toward it since it was... Uh, a way of getting together with people and then at Middlebury College I raced on the Alpine team four years and also I raced Nordic three years at the same time wow so what when can you start masters racing at what age uh they've lowered the age from 21 to 18 oh really to attract the younger group yes and they really there's one race it's called the hockerberg race it happens in at cannon it's the oldest masters race in the country and they really advertise it as a college race so college kids can develop a team uh Uh of their you know college uh, friends and come and race and a lot of kids do who a lot of them aren't necessarily on their college race teams but have a background in ski racing so it's loads of fun a lot of times they dress up in costumes and um it's it's really a nice thing to be able to attract the younger the younger crowd yeah that sounds really fun and it really Uh shows you you've got your whole there's a lot of kids that go to college and just say they're done with ski racing but um i think you know, for especially for those kids um, who still love the sport but don't get a chance to do it in college, um, this is a great opportunity for them. Where can you go to? How can you sign up for these races? Uh, it's nemasters.org, um, pretty much, or Google New England Masters, uh-huh. and it's under the umbrella of the U.S. Ski and Snowboard, so it's an official branch of it. We actually have a paid employee who runs the program, the whole master's program nationally, and uh, there are, f- I think, five divisions. We're in the east, of course, and then there are four out west in the Rocky uh, I don't know all the names of the far west and all those. Um, and at nationals, we compete as a group, um, mm-hmm. as, a, as a region against each other. So uh, whatever region wins gets a special prize. But um, gotcha. you can go on newenglandmasters.org and you can go to also, I think, uh, U.S. Ski and Snowboard slash masters and find out about the uh, organization in your area if you are a ski racer or have um, some background in ski racing or even don't. You know, if you're an accomplished recreational skier and looking to improve your skills, it's a wonderful way of of keeping on growing with your skiing. And there are camps in each region, so you can uh, overcome your fear of getting back in the gates and and just Mm -hmm. uh, meet some other contemporaries uh, who are also working on their ski skills well that sounds that sounds awesome so i urge anybody who's interested to go check that out are you still racing 
Yes, I am. I just was about to go to the national championships in uh, Steamboat, but uh-huh. they got called off three days before yeah. because of this um, big health crisis we're in. And it was very disappointing for me because I had trained all season. Yeah. Um, going to more races than usual in the east i went to a a series in new york for the first time at west mountain which was wonderfully run by um and and the gate courts were courses were set by my old friend from middlebury steve lathrop Uh and he did a great job there and um so it was really hard when they you know just pulled the plug on it but i know they were pulling the plug on everything at the time yeah that's how it was going but i I remember um i had a noram i raced at burke this winter and you foran it and it was the slickest steepest surface um i've seen in a long time maybe ever um on that top pitch of burke it was a gs and it was windy and gnarly and i'm inspecting like oh no i'm scared and i look up and i see you like smiling like let's do this thing um which was really cool Um, oh thanks well that was a special day because it was the fifth anniversary of our son ronnie burlack uh -hmm. his passing from an avalanche in in europe and um so i felt particularly honored and um comforted that I was invited to, well, I actually wasn't invited, I asked yeah. if I could forerun, and uh, the entire Burke community opened that opportunity up to me. And there were so many uh, young people that were contemporaries of Ronnie's there, including three of the four young men who were with him on the avalanche in, in Austria. Mm-hmm. So it was just a way of being out in the community and the the coach of the U- University of Utah was also the assistant coach the day that the boys died yeah. in, in JJ. Austria, mm-hmm. uh, J.J. Johnson. And he was doing the blue dye on the course. So he made a big heart with a B.A. and R.B. on it facing the crowd so all the mm-hmm. pictures that were taken in the finished corral were had this big heart in the background and it was just very heartwarming and a comforting way to get through that very tough day it definitely was yeah um and and so in the wake of that terrible accident you and steve along with bryce's father founded the brass foundation um, which does some great things. Can you tell me about that? The well, Brass, Ronnie, or Rice, Bryce and Ronnie Athlete Snow Safety Foundation. That's correct. And the reason we called it the put the word athlete in there is we wanted it to be specifically geared toward the needs and the um, weaknesses in the programs for ski racers and staying safe in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was started by the both Astle parents, uh, uh-huh. Laura and Jamie, who've been great, and Steve and me, and the U.S. Mm-hmm. U.S. Ski and Snowboard put up some money, so seed money, so we could be um, solvent for a little while. Mm-hmm. And um, that was that was great. What we our main focus is education, so uh, spreading the education of avalanche safety throughout the ski racing community, and uh, aimed at not more so at the coaches, but making sure that at the coaches level, um, who of course are supervising the young people. And we know in ski racing, it's a very hierarchical organization where 
an athlete needs to listen to the coach. Otherwise, uh, the athlete doesn't progress Mm -hmm. and doesn't um, really make it possible to carry on a a high-level program or any level, really. So the coaches are really uh, part of, very big part of our, um, you know, targeted audience in our education. Um, And what's happened wonderfully recently is the U.S. Ski and Snowboard has used their education department, which is headed up by Gar Trainer, uh-huh. and he has uh, developed. He and the the technical crew at USG and Snowboard have developed a, about an hour long interactive uh, online module on avalanche education, uh-huh. which is on the website, the USG and Snowboard website, under the courses available, okay. and it's a way of everybody having access to. To avalanche education now yeah. it has not as yet as far as i know been required by every coach to, uh to take before they can register but i i think that might be in the works mm-hmm. i know there's a shorter version of that online um education being developed for every member over 18 that they will have to take a very short module which i think will be about 15 or 20 minutes on uh, avalanche education before they can re-register for each for next year um, as a member and and compete well that's awesome yeah i think thank you i think it's really important um and you know as an eastern skier i didn't really know much about avalanches at all because there there aren't really there you don't really think about it in the east um but and then a lot of eastern kids like me go out west and um so now this is my second year fully living out west, and um, I I haven't had a chance to do a, a uh, avalanche course yet, but I've read up on it a bit, and my sister and and mom have both taken them, and now when we go in the backcountry, it's um, there. There's so much to think about, and there's so much preparation and so much thought that goes into it. Um, I realized just how how important that knowledge is. Um, and so are you um, doing, you're organizing, um, you know, when when do you have these uh, kind of clinics? clinics? Have you organized a couple different around the country? Is that how it works? Uh, just in the East, there's a particular need, as you said, because the Eastern uh, athletes are very unaware. Yeah. And there is so much more travel. Now, um, so in the East, we have a program, well, all, all of Brass is developing a program called Brass 101, which mm-hmm. is an hour to two hour, uh, inter, not interactive, but a course where a perf- a, an educated avalanche person comes in with a PowerPoint that we've developed and is partly from the Utah Avalanche Center, their Know Before That You Go program, but we've ad- adapted it and put in... Um, elements from our segments of our video called Off Piste, which is on our website. Uh-huh. Our website is brassfoundation.org. Okay. And you can go there, and the, t- the title of our 13-minute safety video is Off Piste. And that covers uh, pretty much all the elements that were involved in, in the accident that took Ronnie and Bryce. And there's a reenactment, which was done at Snow Snowbird, and they mm. were wonderful out there putting that all together um and U- university of utah overstood i mean not university of utah the uh utah avalanche center over oversaw the entire production and actually one of their employees did the editing 
which was a one he did a great job there interviews with all four of us adults and with some uh, with uh, Bryce's brother and and Ronnie's sister Carolyn Mm -hmm. and we've heard that it's very powerful and it puts the emotional impact of the results of not having education right in front of people and um, that's the way to engage young people or anybody really in avalanche education and make sure that they know the importance of having the equipment as you say and having knowing where to look for the forecasts and knowing when not to go yeah i've actually they showed that video um, to most of the u.s ski team guys a couple years ago and uh it is really powerful um and there's a lot of great stuff on the website as you mentioned so that's brassfoundation.org b-r-a-s-s foundation.org um, mm-hmm. Well, Cindy, uh, we got to wrap it up, but I have one more question I asked all my guests, and okay. it is Eastern Mountains or Western Mountains? For me, I love the East just because I am from here. Mm-hmm. I spent 10 years in California and spent a year uh, following the World Pro Circuit in the 70s, and I, I love the East uh, just because of the weather and the ambiance here, the community here, but the West is definitely exciting and it's a wonderful place to visit. And I really think both of them have their own special qualities and everybody's just lucky to be in the mountains and please stay safe and look, look up the avalanche education. Yes. Um, Oh, that's a wonderful answer. Um, I'm not trying to pit the Western mountains against the Eastern mountains, but it is a fun question because people, everyone does seem to have, an answer. So we are now on the podcast, three for the East, three for the West, um, <laughs> and one from Wisconsin. So um, <laughs> we're going to keep track as we go along. Yeah, that's good. Well, really, thank you so much for the opportunity to spread our message and to also make people, young athletes and, and anybody aware of the master, the opportunities that are um, afforded by the Masters Racing. Of course. Uh, thanks for being on the show. Okay. Have a great day. I really enjoyed that interview with Cindy, and uh, actually, her husband Steve called me a couple days after I did the interview because she told him about it, and he had said his gears were turning, and he was thinking of, of issues to talk about on the show. One of them being the fact that the last American to win a Europa Cup title was Nolan Casper back in 2012, I think, um, and it'd be great to have him on the show because. It is a really interesting issue whether Americans should just spend time on the NORAMs, lower their points, and go straight to the World Cup, or whether they should develop and and um, battle it out all winter in Europe against a much deeper, more difficult field. So that's a great one. I'll probably have that coming out some point this spring. Um, and let me know if you're interested or if you have any specific questions you want to ask um, Nolan or whoever I talk to. Now, before we get to uh, the UNH skiers who are injured in quarantine, a really fascinating story, I want to talk to you about a sponsor of the show, Sync Performance. So, you know, you, if, you're, if you've listened to the show before, you know that I have talked a lot about Sync Performance, um, and I just want to reiterate that because it's a great brand that what sets it apart is that it makes... Um, not only does it make apparel 
that is high performance apparel for ski racers, but it also is developed by ski racers. And if you follow their Instagram, you know, Sync gives out a lot of development sponsorships and, and they get a lot of feedback. So it ends up being really great stuff. So check them out at syncperformance.com and you can use the code SRPODCAST20 to get 20% off your next purchase. So check them out. Now, without further ado, UNH Ski Racers, Logan Slattery and Jordan Phillips. So um, Logan Slattery and in the background, I believe you also have Jordan Phillips they went to GMVS with me, and they now ski for UNH. So, guys, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, of course, dude. Thank you. Uh, so, you, uh, Logan, you contacted me today, actually, and you were like, hey, let's get a voice to the people who um, are hit by this quarantine in the way that they're injured and they can't go to PT or maybe can't have surgery and are stuck in their own homes. Um but before we get to that, um, let's do some let's do some background. So this is your this season was what your third season skiing for UNH? Yeah, it was my junior year. Gotcha. Okay. My year and Jordan's sophomore. sophomore year. Okay. And how has it? Have you? I'm. It seems like you've enjoyed it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Three years have been. This year was kind of tough being out, but three years have been sweet so far. Uh, can't complain. Can't complain. And uh, so, let's go. Let's start with you, Logan. What's your injury, and when did you get it? Um, I had a torn labrum in my hip. Um, I probably got it honestly, like at GMBS. Most, you know, from what I've heard, a lot of skiers have it. And don't so, like three it. years ago, you may have sustained it. Yeah, I could have done it for you know however long, but then uh, me playing soccer um, and skiing for so many years. That's what they thought did it. My pelvis started growing, like, over my uh, hip joint. Huh. And then my labrum actually got, like, stuck in between. Uh, I don't I don't know how to describe it. But either way, this was the first year I really couldn't make a right-footed turn. Um, so I had to finally get surgery on it. Was it just, like, a sharp pain? Yeah, it was, like, a sharp pain and, like, a pop. Um, so every time, like, if you can imagine, like, trying to sit into a chair and then having to have, like, a pop. Like, trying to get into a ski position took me, like, a second each right-footed turn. And it doesn't really work. And, you, you know, it's uh, quick actions. I just didn't – it didn't – I couldn't do it at all. Damn. That's brutal. So, did you get surgery? Yeah. I got surgery um, in February. February. Middle February. Uh-huh. Um, so it's just been, been, just been a little rehabbed. over a month now. Uh-huh. But now, so now you're holed up, quarantined at home, and what sort of resources are you lacking? Um, well, when I was first going through rehab, um, I obviously had like the full access to the gym um, and the training room and all the trainers. So I was you know, in there a day, every day, twice a day probably, uh, spinning uh-huh. and you know doing upper body workouts. Um, but since then, um, we actually had to go into our locker room and like, we have a spin bike in the basement with like a janky bench set up and like a mat, um, a single mat. (laughs) Yeah. Like a single yoga mat, maybe two. uh, Oh no. Trying to make do with, um, a couple like kettlebells. Like I don't even think I've used those. Yeah. Not much. much. Yeah. 
So, Jordan, are you in the same boat? What was your injury? Yeah, um, I crashed at the UVM carnival, and I sustained uh, uh, a complete calf laceration just to the bone. My my um, my ski just sliced through the muscle, and I had the puck. I had the puck protective shorts on, but uh-huh. it hit me right where the the Kevlar material ended. So it was just it just went straight through my suit, straight through yeah. all the cotton, straight through all of my my gear, and and uh, yeah, that happened January. Um, I want to say twenty fourth. Uh huh. So I'm just kind of I'm getting back to walking and stuff, but now that I can't go into the field house and work out or um, get a massage for the scar tissue, it's just kind of it's just kind of idled right now. Oh yeah, it's just basically the recovery's been put on hold. It seems like. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Logan and I have been uh, going through it together. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Are you guys being your own uh, physical therapists for each other? Kind of. Kind of, I guess. Something like that, yeah. The first two weeks I was injured, he was like my chauffeur, my my cook, my everything. And then and then I was starting to get back on my feet a little bit, or well, crutches, and I was a little more, more mobilized. And then he had surgery, and then I was kind of his chauffeur and, and his go-to guy, so it kind of flip-flopped. Oh, damn. So yeah, it's been back and forth. Yeah. you guys have just been helping each other through it. So, you know, this is, I, I'm glad you talked to me about this because this is something that, um, a lot of kids are, are dealing with, I think. And, um, I actually heard about someone who tore their ACE or they're not their ACL, their MCL right before, um, elective surgery stopped. So they can't get surgery until this whole thing is over, which delays them too. So, um, what are what are some ways you guys have been getting creative in terms of your recovery, but also in terms of like staying sane in quarantine? Um, it's definitely, honestly, if anything, kind of being injured has given us something to do um, in a weird way. Like in terms of working on your recovery. Yeah, um, it's definitely going slower now, but uh, you know, my rehab luckily was you know, consisted of just mobility and being on the spin bike for like an hour a day. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the scar tissue, like Jordan was talking about not being massaged. Um, it's just it's, building it's, up. Yeah, it's just building. I can, you can actually like, if you feel my scars, they're just, it's just building up hard. scar tissue and it's rock hard. Wow. Um, so that part's been tough. And I don't know. I think the biggest like thing that's been keeping me going is, you know, I have my, still have my return to snow date, um, which mm-hmm. is like, you know, late July, uh, so that's kind of been keeping me sane because, you know, it's not like that's been put on hold or anything quite yet. Yeah, I, I, that actually seems, I think things will be back and running by then, by July. Yeah, yeah, one, yeah. One, would, one would assume at least. One, <laughs> one can only hope. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, hang in there. Oh, I have one more question for you both, actually. Um, the classic question on this podcast is now, Eastern mountains or Western mountains? I think I, I know what you guys are going to say, but I need the votes. So hit me with in it. Terms of what, in terms of what, racing yeah. or skiing? Just in general, if you could pick one or the other, which one are are the better ones? Um, what does Devil's Glen in Ontario count as? Is that West or East? <laughs> um, Ontario. That's kind of Midwest, isn't it? All right. Well, I'm going to throw a curveball at you and pick Midwest. <laughs> okay. 
So yeah. that's a vote for Midwest. Yeah, particularly Devil's Glen. Devil's Glen. A vote yeah. for Devil's Glen. All right, Jordan, yes. what is it for you? Yeah. Um, jeez. Uh, You're from Quebec. I'm yeah, I'm from Montreal. Um, we're gonna. Have, I'll go with. I'll go. I'm gonna stick with the East, honestly. Nice. Nice. Stick with I like to hear that. Well, yeah. I have to count up all the votes at the end of the show. We're pretty even. Um, last episode, we actually got a Wisconsin vote, so um, maybe I'll lump that in with Devil's Glen. Yeah, yeah, but make sure it's particularly Devil's Glen. Okay. Not, yeah. Should I say the name again so that people know? Devil's Glen. Yeah, yeah. let them know, let them yeah. know. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Devil's Glen started it. Okay. Yeah, legacy. No, legacy. They just got a whole lot of free advertising just now. Got to keep it going. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Keep the dream alive, baby. All right, guys. Well, uh, Jordan Phillips and Logan Slattery, thanks for the call and thanks for uh, you know letting us know about this part of the coronavirus um, impact. <laughs> yeah, of course. Anytime. Now, I think I'm going to keep every week giving you a story that has to do with the effects of the coronavirus because I'm realizing that that is just what good journalism is. I know you, you maybe you listen to this podcast to escape everything that's happening from the coronavirus, but I think that it's important to give people a voice and, and um, expose issues that we are dealing with and hopefully maybe come up with some solutions for those issues. So I want to thank uh, Logan for reaching out to me because it wasn't something I would have um, known about otherwise. Now, we're nearing the end of the show, and for those of you that were hoping for a full hour like I have been doing, I apologize. I just can't keep up that pace now that school has started again, and I have a a very large class load. Um, But we will keep marching on. This thing does not stop. Every single week, I'll be back with more for you. We have a caller now that I'm going to take. I'm going to answer the phone finally. He's been bugging me for several weeks now, trying to get on the show because he wants to contribute to the GOAT debate, the greatest of all time. And uh, we'll see what he has to say. Yeah, look. Thanks for taking my call, finally. Yeah, so no here's problem. the deal. Um, you are, were talking the other day on the show about the GOAT ski racer. Yeah, I was. Is there even a f- debate? It's obviously Marcel Hirscher. Eight overall globes, are you kidding me? That's more titles than Tom Brady. Man, I could talk I could talk about Tom Brady all day. His ability no, to move Danny, in the pocket and Danny, how he keeps his talk. body in shape. A lot, Danny, of mas- we, a lot of massages, you Danny. know. Danny! We can't talk about Tom Brady all day, I'm sorry. I'm a Patriots fan, I, and I understand... It all. But one question. What about Ingemar Stenmark? Why is he not the greatest of all time? Mark who? I, I know a few Marks. I, I know Mark Davies, Mark O'Connor, but I never heard of a Stenmark. Yeah, well, he had uh, 86 World Cup wins, which is the most ever. More than Hersher, even. Yeah, well, he probably skied in the Stone Age. I'm talking shape ski era. Okay, that's fair. Well, Danny, thanks for the call. Well, we've got Helmut Feher back. He is giving us a tip on home workouts. So, uh, Helmut, uh, what do you have for us today? Well, Jimmy, you must uh, bend the knees. Okay, you mean like a squat. Yes, 
Jimmy, Ben Zinis, how hot is this? Well, I'm just trying to clarify. Ben Zinis, a hundred times. Okay, a hundred times, do a hundred squats. Yes, and then if your legs are tired, you stop. If they are not tired, you go again, and again, and again. Okay, so uh, you were just doing air squats until you get tired. Yes, you want to get fit or not? Uh, helmet. It seems you seem a little um, down today. Uh, are you are you bummed that Austria didn't win the Nations Cup uh, for the first? No, I'm not. I'm not bummed at all. Is this okay? Uh, Thirty years of of, of Austrian dominance. This is okay. Okay, it sounds like you're okay. This is okay. Yeah, this is okay. Okay. Well, um, okay. Helmet Ver, everybody. Thanks for being on the show. Well, our last segment for you today is the retirees. I think we should honor them. So first up is Tina Weirotter from Liechtenstein. And she was really the only one from Liechtenstein on the World Cup in the past 15 years, battling for podiums alongside Lara Gut and Lindsey Vaughn. She has two Super G Globes in 2017-2018, an Olympic and a World Championships medal. She's 30 years old. Then there's Mats Olsen, the Swede, really the face of Swedish GS. There wasn't really anyone else for the past several years. He had a 2017 victory, but he was parallel GS in Alta Badia. Um, he was in the top seven for GS between 2017 and 2019. And in 2019 and 2018, he had a couple heartbreaking second runs where he was either leading or close to the lead and fell or otherwise messed up. Uh, so then, then there's Fritz Dopfer, who people kind of forgot about, but between, he's a German, between 2012 and 2016, he was Felix Norreiter's right-hand man, and he was in the top group in those five years for GS and Slalom, and then he got injured and struggled to make a comeback, uh, he actually visited the Noram circuit in Burke last year in his comeback attempt, um, but he's another guy that should have won a World Cup, basically got as close as you could get, but he is 37 years old. Then there's Nina Loset, the Norwegian woman who has two World Cup wins. She's great GS skier, but really good slalom skier. In the top 10 for six separate seasons in slalom between 2008 and 2020. And she actually ended this season being sixth in the world. And she's only 30 years old. So um, another maybe early retirement. Not, ju not judging any of these uh, decisions, obviously. We are just celebrating their careers. Peter Phil is next. He is the Italian speed meatball. He, you may know his goatee. You may know him from his legendary performances at Kitzbühel. 2013, he had a massive crash. He rode up on the A-net and did a flip. 2016, he comes back and wins the race with an epic run. Um, he's got three globes and went back-to-back -back in downhill globes in 16 and 17. And he is now 37. You could tell watching him in the first half of the season, his body was just not able to take the punishment anymore. And last but not least, Andre Murder. Murder? Not sure exactly how to say his name. Someone Swedish, please correct me. We need a Swedish or Norwegian on the show to help me pronounce these names. But he was just an example of pure class and pure consistency. He. Between 2005 and 2020, only once did he end a season outside the top 15 in slalom. 
and uh, he is 37 now. And if you'll remember, in the 2018 Olympics, he took home the gold in slalom after Hersher and Christofferson couldn't handle the pressure. Andre was just, uh, you know, an example of uh, grace under pressure, if you will. So there may be more, but those are the main ones. And we uh, are grateful to all of those skiers because each one of them, I remember watching epic runs and really inspiring performances, and they definitely raised the level of competition. So good luck to them in their future pursuits. Well, that's our show. Remember to email SkiRacingThisWeek at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at Jimmy underscore who underscore. If you have any comments, questions, grievances, suggestions, um, everyone's part of this thing. I'm just the mouthpiece. Also hit the subscribe button. Helps me out and it helps you out because it automatically downloads the episode and gives uh, you a notification when, when it comes out, which is every Thursday, but you knew that. Anyway, stay safe, wash your hands, um, stay sane, uh, listen to some music, dance, go skiing if you can, uh, do your homework, um, enjoy your Zoom calls, and I will be right here next Thursday. So until then, I'm Jimmy Krupka. This is Ski Racing This Week, Ski Racing Media's official podcast. See you later.